Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to another episode of If You Don't Like That. Special show today with numerous guests as we reflect back, remember, and honor two iconic, legendary figures from the sports world that we lost this week. Today's podcast is brought to you by New Works Plumbing of Sacramento. Whether it's leak detection, water line repair, plumbing repair, bathroom plumbing, New Works is a full-service plumbing solution. No matter how small or how large your plumbing problem, they've got a fix for you. Just go to newworksplumbing.com. That's N-E-W-W-R-X plumbing.com. On Sunday, we learned that the great Bill Russell had passed at the age of 88. I was around Bill early in my NBA career when he was a coach for the Sacramento Kings I'm not going to say that I knew Bill well. I interviewed him on a number of occasions, traveled around the country when he was coaching the Kings. But one guy that did know Bill Russell pretty well that was with him on a everyday basis when he was in Sacramento, and that is the one and only Jerry Reynolds. Jerry Reynolds joins us on the podcast, and uh, he knew Bill Russell pretty well. I got to tell you, Jerry, I'll never forget the time I met you. Uh, I can't remember the name of the restaurant on Northgate Boulevard, but I had just moved to Sacramento, and they had a King's lunch, and I walked in, and Bill Russell was there, and Willis Reed was there, and I was actually more just like blown away by being around Willis Reed because he was an idol growing up. You know, I really love Willis. Uh, but then Bill Russell, I mean, just an iconic, a legendary man. That's when I met you. Tom Curran introduced us uh, that lunch, and I'll never forget it. But what was it like being around Russ on a daily basis? Well, it, it was uh, unique. I mean, there's no doubt there's, uh, you know, it's one of those things to where, uh, in my experience, was it took probably about a month at least to, to have any kind of relationship with Bill. You know, he was probably not, you know, no question a bit eccentric and, and wasn't particularly uh, uh, trusting of uh, people until uh, he got to know him. And so it, it in my case, it, it took a while. And uh, But, you know, having said that, I, I mean, after, like say, about the first month, we, we really had a great relationship. I, I really enjoyed him. He treated me great. Uh you know, we things didn't go well basketball wise, but but I uh, I really thought the world of him. You know, he one of those one of those people wasn't probably beloved by the media in the Sacramento area for sure. But 
but you know he uh you know man of integrity is what i'd say you know he 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 was pretty confident in who he was in his own skin and uh you know we we talked about a lot of things uh you know obviously the basketball parts and was interesting but you know his his life you know which i think he always pretty much sim- simplified things you know just said you know you know what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong and you really need to to stay you know and and said most people know what the right thing to do they some they just don't do it and i and i think certainly at that time that he was uh, involved in sports and life uh, for the most part uh, is really true there was a lot of wrongs that weren't dealt with right i'll tell you one thing when i used to interview bill he would sometimes give you that stare for three, four, five seconds of silence, and I'd be sitting there going, oh, my God, I just asked a stupid question. And then he would break out in that Bill Russell cackle. That was something that was very difficult to figure out how Bill was going to react for a couple of seconds. That stare with those eyes I'll never forget. <laughs> no, the cackle was one of my real adjustment periods, you know. And <laughs> I used to, me and, me and uh, Willis Reed, you know, who's, you know, a hero of mine too, one of the finest men I've ever known. And and we were all in the same office for, for a while in that little building before we moved to the uh, Arco 2. And, and we'd all be in there. And then Bill, you know, had a great sense of humor. I thought, uh, you know, <laughs> say something or whatever. And he'd, he'd hit that cackle, you know, and it just about, destroy your ears you know and reverberate through there now willis was said he said man i'm gonna get some earplugs you know <laughs> to, to deal with russ yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, but you know it was uh yeah it was one of those things too where, where bill was such a private man i and, and he'd be in a restaurant you know and everybody trying to be uh private that he'd let out that cackle and it'd be everybody know bill russell's in the place from about yeah. two blocks away yeah <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so true but he was, yeah. go ahead yeah, no, i was just gonna say you know you grew up and have known Larry Bird for such a long time. But were you in awe at all of being around Bill Russell? I mean, Bill Russell is the NBA. Bill Russell is synonymous with basketball. Bill Russell's an iconic, legendary figure. At first, was that, I I don't want to say challenging. You're a very down-to-earth, basic guy. You don't normally get caught up in that stuff. But this is Bill freaking Russell we're talking about. Exactly. Oh, no, I was in total awe. You know, I mean, I was like anyone else. I grew up, you know, as a as a kid, you know, you know, he was one of my early heroes. Uh, uh, you know, my major heroes were Oscar Robertson and Jerry West, probably. But but, you know, I knew I knew he was. You know, he'd be the one that uh, ended their their seasons every year. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <yeah. laughs> and uh, so no, I, I I was, and it was just wonderful once we got a comfort zone because I love to talk Celtic stories with him. I'd get him started, you know, and and uh, you know, he it is just amazing some of his experiences, both both good and bad. But we we kind of. You know, and mostly good, you know, talking about a lot of the ways Red Auerbach uh, handled things. And, you know, and kind of he always said, you know, probably he said, I probably would have been a Hall of Fame type player anywhere I went. But the Celtics were the perfect fit and Red was the perfect coach. And uh, and I think that's true. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot, a lot of times, uh, you know, things have to 
to kind of fit right to to sure. to, to make to to get you at the at the premium. And of course, I always remember I just thought of it. He, we're talking about Wilt Chamberlain, you know, and he had tremendous respect for Wilt, and they were friends uh, most of their lives. And he said, "Yeah, people always say how I how I dealt with Wilt." And he said, "Yeah." He said, "I held him to about thirty eight points a game <laughs> uh, for his career." Right. He said, but he did say, you know, I, but uh, you know, from a basketball standpoint, he said one thing I thought was really important. He said, "You know, the one difference was when we played Wilt, I guarded him one on one. We didn't double." Mm. Wow. He said every other team doubled. And, you know, when you think about it as a basketball person, and I've mentioned that, it's like, well, that's all the difference in the world. Mm. You Did know, you, if, if, yeah, if that you, is incredible. If you, yeah, if you yeah. can hold him to 38 without doubling, that means all the other guys on Philly don't get, get a bunch of open shots. Do you think that Russ pulled the wool over Luke's eyes, Greg Luke and Bill, with that contract that he signed? I mean, did you did you feel that Bill was really in to coaching the Sacramento Kings, or do you feel at that point in his career, it was a great payday, and, you know, Bill was a little lackadaisical coaching. There were stories of him falling asleep in practice, and I was just curious how you saw that whole situation. You know, I don't think Bill had the, the fire that he once did. I, I think it's, you know, I think that was true. I think he was more interested in the front office mm-hmm. uh, position, and I think, honestly, given time, he would have been good, at, very good at that. I really do. Uh, just things didn't go well earlier and, and, and just, you know, but, but as, as far as your, your question of, of kind of pulling, actually, uh, and, and Bill told me this, he said, no, it's a case where, where we were talking about a job and quite honestly, uh, Joe and, and Greg just kept offering me more positions. Wow. How about that? <laughs> he, he said, he said, I, he said, you know, what are you going to do Would they, would they offer you more years, more positions? He said, yeah, I just said, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I, I understand that if somebody wants to do that, though, we, sure. like, we kind of kidded about that a little bit. He said, no, I would, if they had said they offered me a two year career as a co- uh, job or contract as a coach, I'd have taken it. And then they kept saying, well, how about, yeah. how about, uh, you know, trying to convince me to sign? He said, I'd already signed when we first talked. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so, so it was a case really of, uh, I think that they, they probably thought that Bill needed more convincing than he did. So, so uh, yeah, I, I always got a kick out of that. But uh, very, I mean, he was, you know, that's who Bill was, though. I mean, he was such an honest person. Yes, he was. You know, he wasn't going to suffer fools or. Nope. Uh, and, you know, and that was kind of, I think, one of his problems in coaching a little bit is that once he decided guys weren't good enough to win, he, he just had a tough time. And I get that, but sometimes that's who you got. Sure. <laughs> you got to do the best you can. And I think it was tough for him to, to have any uh, patience at all. Uh, uh, you know, with with in that circumstance, and so many great players are you know are like that. Uh, you know, as opposed, to, I always said with Willis Reed, he was just the opposite. He was such a, a plugger and a hard worker, which which you saw in his career. You know, Bill was such a great athlete. I think the games, quite honestly, did come easy to him because he was just a fantastic athlete who who uh, you know could do marvelous things. Uh, you know, just just like a LeBron or somebody or Michael Jordan, once they really got into their prime, the game was so easy for them. Was there one thing about Bill Russell that surprised you, that you learned about just from hanging out after that, particularly that first month of him letting you in 
and it took a while, as you said, but once you were around Bill and all the conversation and everything, was there anything that really stood out about you that really surprised you about him that you didn't know? Uh, there's a couple, yeah, a couple things. And I've, I've told this, these stories before, but it really was kind of the come to Jesus moments for me with Bill. Just, I always remember him wanting to, was a little frustrated with our centers at that time, LaSalle Thompson and Joe Klein, and decided he's really going to spend time working with them a little bit. And I was involved with the drills. So anyway, uh, so we'd spend, spend time. And, and I re- remember after kind of the first day, I just told Bill, I said, Bill, you know, if you really want to help this team win, you really should play. I mean, he was 57 <laughs> years old then. Come on. And I guarantee you, Grant, he was so much quicker and mobile. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those, one of those, you know, it's one of those eye-opening things for me. It's like, holy crap. Oh, my gosh. This guy. I, I, you know, in other words, it's like, oh, I see now. Right. This was a special, special thing. And then the other one was equally, uh, uh, Bill was a general manager and I was his head coach and he had just traded for Ralph Sampson, you know, the mm-hmm. Ralph Sampson for Jim Peterson trade. And, oh boy. and, you know, basically it was, it was an even trade. Neither player really played well. Uh, they were both crippled really and, uh, made about the same money, even though fans still don't believe that but anyway we were visiting with ralph in, in bill's office and at the end of it you know ralph was supposed to be seven four he's actually seven two but ralph stood up he said ralph stand up and reach as high as you can and ralph said yeah. okay and so bill stood up next to him and raised hit raised as high as he could and he reached over how about that ralph samson wow yeah i mean we're just like oh now i get it Wow. You know, this isn't a, this isn't a normal six ten guy. <laughs> you know, and, you know, and I'm sure most of the people who had their shots blocked. Figured that out sooner than I did. Uh, That's but, beautiful. You know, he was a you know just a unique individual, a unique athlete. Uh, I think unique person. I I, I just really really uh, appreciated. It. He he treated me great. You know, like I say, that first first month was. Uh, kind of interesting because like I said I always remember the first time he really kind of talked to me I'd been working a while and he came down and I was working with some guys individually and he came down and put his said, said uh, Jerry come over here a minute and so I did and he put his arm around me and said, he said you know what I think I'm really going to like you you're really a good coach and you work hard and I said God, that's good to know. <laughs> I was I was starting to kind of wonder, and, and from that, but from you know from that point on, it was just you know I I just couldn't wait to you know for getting the office where we'd visit, and yeah. talk, talk Celtic stories or or life stories and 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 things, and it, it was just mm. yeah really really uh, a marvelous marvelous life, well led and. And, you know, certainly some people didn't like him, but they, generally speaking, uh, there's reasons, you know, and Bill always said, sometimes the enemies you make are the enemies you ought to make. Mm-hmm. And, and I think and I think there's a lot of truth to that. And look who's coming up. So Mike Davis, the tying run is at second base with two out. Now the Dodgers don't need the muscle of Gibson as much as a base hit. And on deck is the leadoff man, Steve Sachs. Three and two.
Sacks waiting on deck, but the game right now is at the plate. High fly ball into right field. She is gone! What an amazing, iconic call by a man that we lost this week at the age of 94. The great Vince Scully, 67 years as the voice of the Dodgers. Let's now hear from some people that knew Vince Scully pretty well. It's great to have Steve Sachs on the podcast. And Steve, uh, I hope you're doing well. Vince Scully... What was that relationship, friendship like? You spent many years in that organization being around Vin. Mm-hmm. I had a I had a really good relationship with Vin Grant. And, uh, you know, Vin, Vin was on the field and, uh, you know, before the games or whatever, he was, just, uh, he was just a regular guy. Guys didn't feel uncomfortable being around him, even though he was an iconic figure. They, they, they liked him just, uh, just as a guy to talk to, besides everything else and all the professionalism that he brought to the table. Uh, but one thing I think is lost in the whole shuffle about Vince Scully, everybody knows how great he was, but Vince Scully was a hard worker. You'd see him before the game on the field. Uh, you know, you'd see all the time that he spent in preparation and it was well documented how much Vince Scully prepared and practiced his craft, you know, and he wasn't just great at baseball. He was a great football broadcaster as well, as, yeah. as you well know. And so, you know, he just ran the gamut. The guy, the guy was, uh, the guy just was an unbelievable talent that worked his tail off. You were on deck. We just listened to the famous Kirk Gibson home run in the 88 World Series. And as great as that moment was, and I would think there were very few things that would top that, I would think after the game or whenever it would be the next day, when you heard Vince Scully's call, I would imagine the players just loved hearing the way Vince Scully called big moments. Uh, you know what? Vince Scully was a master at letting the moment breathe. You know, he, he wasn't going to talk his way through – a great moment. Uh, you know, this, this game being televised kind of spoke for itself and Vin said what he had to say. And then the rest of the time, he just let it, let, he let the moment just kind of be there. And, and he was such an artist at that, you know, he, sometimes he knew that less was more and um, there was nobody better at it than him. And he was, he was, he was a kind of a guy that before the game uh, you would, you would have to, if you, if you didn't know, if you weren't a baseball fan, you would have to struggle if you didn't in some way know Vince Scully and, and, and know that uh, he was such a great figure in American uh, sports 
because as I said before, uh, Grant, he was just a regular dude yep. joking around before the game, had a good time, you know, talked about his family and, uh, you know, then shared something with me, uh, a couple of days after my son had passed away, then had called and, and told me that he knew exactly what I was going through, uh, because he in fact lost his son, Michael, uh, the same way I lost my son, uh, in an aviation accident. And it was, it was at the same age at 33 years old, we lost that our boys had perished and, and Vin was so, you know, so nice and gracious to lend me those, uh, soothing words of comfort that, uh, he passed on to me, uh, because he lost his son. And so it was, uh, it was, it was an amazing thing. Steve, I've known you for a while, and my heart went out to you. And I, I didn't—I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I just want to let you know that you have so many people still that are praying for you and thinking for you. And Thank um, you. Um, that's all I can say. And I can't even imagine what that phone call meant from Vince Scully. I mean, I can't even imagine uh-huh. how that lifted you up. It really did. It really did, Grant. And uh, you know, this is this is something that you never recover from. And you know, then I could still feel the pain in his heart from losing his son. Um, but just to know that he understood and, uh, you know, he knew what, what I was going through exactly more than anybody. Mm. Uh, and he, he was able to share that with me. So it did lift me up. Steve, the thing about Vince Scully, the word respect, everybody respected Vince Scully. I have a couple of friends that are umpires and they told me, you know, in his last year, they would all get together right before the game, stand at home plate, and they would all wave their hats to Vin as a sign of respect. And I just think, wow, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't mm-hmm. know Vin. I never met Vin. But it just seemed to me that mm-hmm. everyone in the game and everyone that crossed paths with Vin Scully respected him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great description, Grant. And uh, you you would have loved him. And I'm sure Vin would have felt the same way about you. Uh, he was he, he just got along with everybody. It, it, it's odd in this world as we pass through uh, the time in this world that, you know, you don't come to uh, at least at odds with somebody about something. I, I can't tell you. I don't know one person in this world that doesn't love Vince Scully. I, I, nobody that mm-hmm. I've ever met has ever said a word like, well, you know, this or that. No, it's never happened because he was universally loved, as you just pointed out. So great getting the thoughts of Steve Sachs, a teammate of Sachs on that 1988 World Series team, Mickey Hatcher, who was unbelievable in that series. Uh, two stints with the Dodgers, longtime coach in Major League Baseball. Nice enough to join us right now. Mickey, it's great to ca- get caught up with you. When I say Vin Scully, you say what? I say the most amazing human being I've ever met in my life. You know, he's uh, he represented uh, what life's all about. Uh you know, he was one of those guys that uh, he never wanted to be famous. Everything was about the love of the game. and It wasn't uh, more the love of the sport because there were so many, many sports that uh, uh, he was so good at uh, doing a, announcing that uh, he was just special. Mickey, the word I used with Steve Sachs was respect. Vince Scully and respect were synonymous with one another. It seemed like no matter who was around Vince Scully, whether it was umpires, whether it was players, managers, fans. If you had a chance to meet Vince Scully, the one word I always used to hear was respect. Everybody just loved and respected this man. 
Uh, he was. He was the same uh, uh, to a fan as he was to the players that he met. Uh, he just enjoyed life. He enjoyed people. And uh, you're right. He respected life. He respected everybody. And, uh, you know, that's that's what he tried to teach the players is that you've got to be out there. It's not Life isn't about you. Life's about joy, enjoying the moments. Uh, and he did uh, from the start of his uh, uh, career as a broadcaster to the end. He enjoyed every moment. He enjoyed every legend that he had a, a chance to uh, announce. And uh, uh, even the guys that weren't legends, uh, he respected them, and he remembered he remembered everybody. Uh, you know, you could have maybe played two years and walked down the street, and, and he would remember remember you. And that's the kind of person he was. Sixty-seven years. I mean, when you think about that, Mickey, sixty-seven years as the voice of the Dodgers. That number is mind-boggling. Uh, it's mind-boggling, but you know what? I've seen him broadcast golf. I've seen him broadcast uh, like a football game. Sure. Uh, every sport that he did, he was just so great. And I think uh, I think in the golf world, because he loved golf so much, that they probably missed having a, a Vince Scully around for years because, uh, you know, him and that uh, the other Irish guy that's always there uh, – doing this, uh, the golf, uh, they would have been a hit, but, uh, you know, Vince, Vince enjoyed sports. It wasn't just baseball. He enjoyed all sports. He enjoyed all the athletes. And, uh, uh, that was his life. What was the relationship like? I mean, it's been such a hard year for Dodger fans. We lost Tommy Lasorda earlier in the year and now Vince Scully. Uh, I can't even imagine what those conversations must've been like when you were eavesdropping on those. Oh, well, I mean, Vince Scully, uh, you know, it was tough. I, I was one of the pallbearers for Tommy Lasorda. And, uh, you know, I, I got an opportunity to, to, to do that uh, at the end of Tommy's life and be there. And we've had an opportunity to be with Vinny. I've had a couple pictures taken with him that I've been putting out on the, on the website that uh, uh, was amazing. But Vinny, you know, Vinny and Tommy were the same. And, you know, you get to a certain age in life. Yeah, there's sadness right now. But I think everybody who was really close to Vinny knows that there's joy right now because joy is him reuniting with his wife. And, and that's what his life was about. And, and he knew it was time as Tommy was with, with uh, Joe. And, uh, you know, those two, those two are special to be with one relationship their whole life and the love that they have. And, and that's both of those guys' stories. Boy, great perspective from Mickey Hatcher and a guy that uh, played in 2000 for the Dodgers but has a different perspective being in the broadcast booth for so many years as the TV analyst for the Washington Nationals. So he would uh, be in Vince Scully's presence quite a bit. My good buddy, F.P. Santangelo. F.P., it's great to catch up with you, buddy. How are you? Hey, Grant. Thanks for having me on your podcast, man. I really appreciate it. i got to correct you, though, and I hate to do this. But I don't want to make you look bad. But you said I played for the Dodgers in 2000. I sat on the bench for the Dodgers in 2000. <laughs> I sat on the end of the bench. Now, now, I, I, I never, looked at, I didn't really play. For 81 that. games. I, I looked at the numbers. You played 81 games. Don't lie to me. I looked at the stats. Yeah, but, I, you know, I grew up a Giants fan in Northern California going to Giants games. Um, and then I played for the Giants the previous year. And then they didn't resign me. So it was like, well, I'm going to get back at those Giants. I'm going <laughs> to sign with the Dodgers. And then I go down there, and I was miserable. Um, I didn't play very much. And I joke now about it. I hit 196, I think, for the Dodgers that year. And I joke about it that I was a great giant playing for the Dodgers. <laughs> I did my job as a giant playing for the Dodgers. I went down there and hit below 200. So I, I was love a spy. It. I always say I was a spy. I love so, it. Yeah, it was a, 
Well, it, it was a you know it was an interesting year, but I, I did get to know Vince Scully, so yeah, that was really really cool. So, what was that experience like, both as a player in your cup of coffee with the Dodgers, then later, you know, obviously doing so many games where he was right next to you? Well, I got to know him as a Dodger, and the story I told on the air the other night was, um, you know, when I was playing for the Dodgers, as, as sporadically as I did, whenever I got in the game, he would call me FP San Angelo, <laughs> and the T was silent. And I never thought anything of it. I didn't care. I was just glad that Vin Scully was saying my name. Right. You know, I'm playing for the Dodgers and the legendary Vin Scully saying my name. You know how many people would just, you know, <laughs> die to have Vin Scully say their name. So after about a month, I'm getting calls from family. My mom and dad, you know, your grandma's real upset. You know, can you tell Vin Scully that it's Santangelo with a T? Can you pronounce the T, please? He's Vin Scully. And so after a month or so of getting all these phone calls about he's mispronouncing your name. We were on a coast to coast flight. We're on the charter and Vin sat in the very first seat we'd walk in. So uh, I'm back with the players and this took a couple beers to get the courage up to walk all the way up the first <laughs> class and tell Vin, I'm like, today's the day I'm going to tell Vin Scully you're mispronouncing my name. So I walk up and I say, how you doing Vin? And he's like, Oh, FP, how are you? And the nicest guy you'll ever meet in the world. Right. Right. And so we chat and chat, and I just can't go up there and, like, drop the hammer on him right away and say, hey, Ben, you're mispronouncing my name. Let's go. So we chatted up and whatever, and how you like him being a Dodger? And I'm talking to him, and I say, hey, can I ask you something real quick? I said, I really don't care because I'm just glad that I'm here. I'm glad that I'm a Dodger, which was kind of a lie. Sure. And, uh, and I'm, glad, I'm glad that you're saying my name, which is the absolute truth. And I said, you know, it, I'm getting calls. I don't care. But I'm getting calls from my parents, from relatives back east <clears throat> that are saying that, you know, you're mispronouncing my name, that it's Santangelo, not San Angelo. And Grant, you and I know that if I went up to Vince Scully and said, you pronounce my last name Smith, it's, it's all on the, the player. <laughs> right. You ask the player as a broadcaster how they pronounce their name. And Correct. then if they say Santangelo is pronounced Smith, you go on the air that night and you say, well, F.P. Smith is the base hit to right field. Right. I know it looks like Santangelo, but that's how he pronounces his name. <laughs> and so I go up there and I say this whole thing, and he goes, well, F.P., you know, I started in Brooklyn with the Dodgers, and I have a lot of friends on the East Coast in New York when their last name is San Angelo, and that's how they all pronounce it. And that's the proper pronunciation. It's San Angelo. Oh, my God. And I go, oh, so we've been pronouncing it wrong? And he goes, <laughs> well, you know, that." Yeah, basically, in a nice way, he said that I've been mispronouncing my name, and so has my family all these years. Oh, my I'm God. Like, well, I tried, so I told my parents that, and he kept pronouncing it San Angelo, and that's the way it went. So I love that. That's my Vin Scully story as a player. And then as a broadcaster, Grant, he just took me under his wing, and every time I came to Los Angeles, you know, you could it's like Dusty Baker. Like, everybody thinks they're Dusty Baker's best friend because he has that quality. Well, Vin has that same quality when you go in the booth and you talk to him. He's so accommodating. And I've been listening to all the Vin Scully stories the last couple of days. And it's like, I have the same one. I mean, he just, he just treated me wonderfully. I have the scorecard right in front of me right now that I'm going to get framed. It's one of my scorecards. It says, 2FP, you're a home run with an exclamation point, Vin Scully. So mm. I'm getting that frame this week. I'm going to put it up in my house. And, um, you know, it, it, and it's weird, Grant, like players – uh, would ask me um, with the Nationals, can we meet Vin? So and there's not too many broadcasters where the players actually take time to go up to the broadcast booth before the game to meet the broadcaster. And that's the way it was. He was just so iconic, so wonderful at what he did. Um, the best there ever was 
and the players knew that I played for the Dodgers. They knew that I met Vin and knew Vin. Um, and so they would ask me, so I'd say, yeah. And I would text their PR guy and I'd say, I got like four players that want to come up and meet Vin today. So they would all come up to the booth and take pictures and chat it up with Vin. Um, so yeah, he, he was, he was the best. And I don't think there'll ever be anybody like him again. This show is sponsored by better help stress. We all have it to a degree, big, small, but I think you can agree we all carry around different stressors. Most of you know what I've gone through the last four years, complete career change, moving across the country, filing a lawsuit, being in the news often, dealing with all of that, trust me, has not been easy. And if you keep things bottled up, it can really have a negative impact on your life. Therapy is a safe space. You get things off your chest. You can figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills skills. You can set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And you know what, folks? It's not just for those who have experienced major trauma. Hey, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's online. It's easy, convenient, flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapist anytime for no additional charge get it off your chest with better help visit betterhelp.com slash grant today to get 10 percent off your first month that's better help h-e-l-p.com slash grant hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Really appreciate those joining me on today's podcast to remember Bill Russell and Vin Scully. Let's now get to our CrowdUltra Q&A. Just go to CrowdUltra.com and maybe I'll answer your question on my next podcast. Trevor wants to know, are you a fan of NBA players playing in summer pro-ams? Not really, but it doesn't bother me, Trevor. These guys are playing basketball most of the summer anyway, so it doesn't really bother me. Greg asks, what's your favorite and least favorite country you've been to outside of the United States? Wow, that's a great question. My two favorite countries, because I don't, have just one are Thailand and Switzerland and that would be a 1A and a 1B and Italy would be a 1C my least favorite country probably India I thought the Taj Mahal was fascinating Uh, I understand the history of the country but the immense poverty everywhere and the fact that you can go from literally you know the richest area of a city and 10 yards later, you're in the slums. It's very difficult to digest for me personally. So I don't think I would go back to India. I don't have anything against India. I was grateful that I was there for a couple nights. Uh, again, seeing the Taj Mahal in person was just an incredible experience. But it's not on my list uh, to go back there. Brendan asked, do you think the Padres will be able to afford Soto long term? I don't think, Brendan, they would have made the deal if they felt that he could not. Andrew asks, how many seasons do you think Aaron Rodgers has left? If he doesn't get hurt, several, Andrew. I mean, look at what he did last year, the MVP of the league. So I think he's got probably three or four 
really good years left. Dakota wants to know the NFL put out an all-under 25 list. Who would be your best three players, 25 or younger? Dakota, I'm going to give that some thought over the weekend. And how about if I answer that on Tuesday? It's a very interesting question. All right, Sam wants to know, do you think the Nets will find a trade partner for Durant? Good question, Sam. And the answer to that is no. Alex wants to know, is it a good idea for Watson to appeal his suspension? No, and they came out even before Sue Robinson made her decision and said that they would abide by the suspension. All right, Dan wants to know, what MLB team have you been watching the most? Dan, I've been watching very little baseball, but when I do watch it, I watch the Yankees. Luke asked, could the Chargers make the playoffs this season? I think they could win the division, Luke. I love the Chargers. I think they have a chance to be very, very good. Christian wants to know, have I seen a team give away more players like the A's have over the past year? Not off the top of my head, Christian. Not off the top of my head. Kevin wants to know if I like the idea of Bill Russell's number being retired across the league. Yes, I do. I think it should be retired. One of the most iconic, legendary figures in the history of the NBA. So, yes. Yes, I do. Tony wants to know, will Melo get signed before the start of the season? I will say no. Again, just go to CrowdUltra.com. Maybe I'll answer your question on my next podcast. It's time for Brent, 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 Brent. Memo to all of you out there who are going to travel and go through airport security. Be very careful what you are carrying. Brittany Griner, yesterday, sentenced to over nine years in prison in a Russia jail. Now, we understand the politics involving that, and I think it's absurd that she could potentially be facing a total of 10 years of her life in prison for what she was allegedly carrying in her luggage, all right? Iman Shumpert, over the weekend, arrested at Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, okay? They found 6.12 ounces of marijuana on him. He was put in handcuffs and taken to the airport jail without incident, and if convicted of a state jail felony, he could spend up to two years in jail and a $10,000 fine. What may be legal in California is not necessarily legal in the state of Texas. So, memo to all of you that travel. Just don't assume. Don't assume that every state has the same laws, the same rules, the same mandates. And when you leave the United States of America, you are no longer under the jurisdiction of U.S. law. All right? So, if you're going to Russia, or you're going to Japan, or you're going to any of the countries in Europe, You better damn well know what their laws are and what is acceptable to bring across the border and what is not. All right. If you have not yet learned after listening to the plight of Brittany Griner and now Amon Shumpert, then I guess nothing will resonate with you. The message, you better be damn careful when you travel. You better know what is in your luggage and you better know what is allowed and what is not allowed because they're not messing around anymore and that's my rant for today that is my podcast for today hey if you have any memories of vince gully or bill russell please leave me a review rate the podcast particularly if you listen on apple podcast it would mean a lot to me thanks so much have a great weekend and as always really appreciate you checking me out here 
if you don't like that, with Grant Napier. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.